According to the Lighthouse Directory, there are at least 22,200 lighthouses across the planet Earth. It's probably more, but that's all they're chronicling. I don't think about lighthouses, really, because they're, I don't know, they're, they're just out there, right? They're just an uh, object on the horizon at the beach, or if I'm on a large body of water, I see it from the boat. But they're just out there. Our next guest, Dan Oginski. He and his family and three other families, they went big. They went all in regarding a lighthouse. You're going to love this story. You join Lonnie Miller and be on my day job. Dan's story is next. Opening guitar riff by Mike. Awesome. Card is. And with us now is Dan Oginski. Welcome. Thank you, Lonnie. Uh, good, to, <laughs> good, to, good to talk with you. Yeah, I can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to this interview. I'm thrilled. Just um, You've got a great story here, and I'm, I'm thrilled for people listening to be on my day job to hear what you have been um working on for at least the last couple of years. So thanks again for joining us. Um, Dan, just to kind of set the stage for everyone as uh, we go into real high effort hobbies. And you've certainly, with some of your family and friends, jumped on board on a real high effort hobby. But um, maybe just give us a little bit of uh, your background and kind of what what keeps you tooling around, you know, during your normal uh, daytime activities. Sure. Well, um... I'm very excited to talk about organization and project, and I'm, I appreciate you having me uh, to uh, on the podcast to talk about it. Um, so I uh, am a native Michigander, uh, grew up in the Flint area, uh, went to Michigan State, so I'm a, I'm a Spartan, <laughs> met, my, met my wife there in college, and uh, Ended up going to law school. So I'm a lawyer by background, but actually um, spent the last 15 years working as a corporate executive, worked for a company, uh, went through some very busy times. We um, you know, started a smaller private company, went public, grew to operate in uh, a larger region, and then were acquired a few years ago, which was a great experience. Um, and that has been my day job for for a while but i recently left there and am somewhat figuring out what my next steps are but also in the meantime in addition to north manitou lightkeepers uh, my wife and i have been building a, a small enter- business enterprise called uh Hartmonic holdings that has a diff a few different uh a few different operations going on so that's that's kind of what i'm doing um with my day job for now is <laughs> is uh continuing to um, focus on and, and build harmonic working on North Manitou Lightkeepers and uh, you know seeing what what new adventures might be out wow. there for me. there's uh, when you sleep tell us what North Manitou Lightkeepers is but bring us draw a picture for us for the physicality of, of what this project is that you're uh, leading sure um well, as uh, many people know, if you look at a map, Michigan, 
um, is shaped like a mitten. At least the lower peninsula of Michigan is a mitten. Um, on its western side, western shore is Lake Michigan. And uh, in the northwest corner of Michigan's lower peninsula, the mitten part, there's a part of it that looks like a, a pinky. And that is the uh, Leelanau area. The, it's actually Leelanau County. Okay. Um, and right there, kind of near the knuckle of that pinky, um, along that, that shoreline is Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore, um, which really is one of the most beautiful places in America. Um, you know, native Michiganders and people who visit um, know how amazing Lake Michigan is and the Great Lakes. But for a lot of people, uh, if you haven't seen it, you it's hard to picture um, – how big it is because uh, people think of lakes as being smaller, but um, it, it has a horizon like the ocean doesn't have the same waves, but has pretty decent waves and weather action. Um, but it's a water horizon and it's all fresh water. And it, uh, you just have this amazing mix of beach sand, pine trees and fresh water on a big lake like that. Um, that's amazing. Yes. Um, Part of that shoreline is giant sand dunes called uh, Sleeping Bear Dunes. Um, there's a bit of Michigan folklore, um, you know, um, kind <laughs> yeah, of the, the shape of the dunes and the mother bear watching her cubs out in the water. Correct. I was going to say, I, I uh, you know, you hear that it's Native American folklore. Um, I can't verify that exactly, but certainly the story is <laughs> right in Native American folklore that a, a mother bear and two cubs, um, you know, attempted to swim across the lake uh, from the from the Wisconsin side, and the mother bear made it to the shore, but the two cubs um, drowned in the lake and became the Manitou Islands. And there are two islands offshore from. Uh, uh, this area called the Manitou Islands. Okay. And the legend is that the bear cubs didn't make it across and the mother bear uh, laid down and um, laid down and stayed on the shoreline until she was gone and became the sleeping bear dunes. And again, if you haven't seen them, it's hard to conceive of what they're, they're like, but they're huge sand dunes. And again, next to the shoreline of the of great of Lake Michigan, they're amazing. And then, like I said, you have these two islands um, about eight miles offshore uh, that are the Manitou Islands. Um, and this this geography, this topography, it's just a, an amazingly beautiful place. Um, now, and this is where we start to get to the lighthouse story. What is a, a really important part of the story is that, you know, how we get to North Manitou Lightkeepers is that our, you know, basically... The organization is something mm -hmm. that uh, I founded with my wife and three other families, all good friends, initially to bid on a an offshore lighthouse that was being auctioned off by the federal government. And the lighthouse we're talking about is smack dab right in the middle. It's offshore in Lake Michigan, in between Sleeping Bear Dunes and the Manitou Islands. Okay. And, you know, and I can, I can go into some of more of the, the story, but, uh, and will, but basically, um, 
you know, that lighthouse sitting right in the middle of one of America's most beautiful places and being this uh, offshore lighthouse out in Lake Michigan um, is a lot of the inspiration and motivation we had for um, why do we want to do this? Um, why, why is, you know, or why do we need to do this? Why is this important to do is um, its location being in this amazing place has, has a lot to do with it. Okay. So the lighthouse, it's, I, I had seen some other information. I know it's roughly about what, eight miles, seven, eight miles off the shore out in the water. That's right. Okay. Uh, that's right. Yeah. If you take, uh, you know, straight out from Leland, mm -hmm. which is a town, um, it's a town kind of halfway up Leland Peninsula. Um, and that's usually the harbor we come out of to uh, head out to the lighthouse. It's the place where there's a ferry uh, Manitou Island Transit Company runs a ferry out to the Manitou Islands, which is National Park Service mm. territory, as is Sleeping Bear Dunes. Sleeping Bear Dunes and the two islands are part of the National Park Service. Um, you know, the lighthouse is not, but it's in, in the middle of those areas. But there's a ferry that runs you out to the, uh, to the islands to get there. And it, it comes out of Leland. And when you take take a boat out of Leland, it's, um, it's about a 15, 15, 20 minute ride to get out there, depending on the weather conditions. Okay. It's about, it's about eight miles out there. Okay. All right. Can I, uh, so this is a real basic question, but I want to make sure people that maybe sure. have always been landlocked or never left the city or have just <laughs> never, literally, you know, I'm sure that's a, that's a sad thing to think someone's never seen a coastline, <laughs> but we know that's the yeah. case. Back us up. What is a lighthouse fundamentally for if it's sitting, whether it's on the shore or, you know, seven, eight miles out in the middle of the water? What's the functional purpose for a lighthouse that the government, in this case, used to own? Um, basically, it's to help uh, protect ships from running into um, shallow water okay. and running aground in... Um, shallow water yeah. uh typically and uh it really the lighthouses are there to protect lives of people who are um on these ships passing through like a shipping lane um so i can use use this as a specific example um given the topography i just described you know there's a shoreline with the two islands out there about eight miles offshore um Certainly starting in the 1800s and coming into the 1900s and, and even to this day, that area is an important shipping lane. You know, thinking you got Chicago on one side, mm. the, you know, the rest of the U.S. heading towards the East Coast on the other side. You know, the ability for ships to go around Michigan's lower peninsula, um, it has been a huge part of uh, the economy and industry and moving goods around. And the best way to get around, you know, through that area around, um, you know, the northwest area of Michigan is, yeah. is through that through that shipping lane, which is called the Manitou Passage between the shoreline and the island. I didn't realize that. And okay. yeah. And so um, where the islands are, you know, there's a shoal. I didn't know <laughs> I really understand this word before I got into this, into this project, but. The name, the name of the lighthouse that we're restoring and, and doing all this work 
on is called the North Manitou Shoal Light. Uh, S-H-O-A-L, Shoal. And that that basically is a very shallow um, area, which is underwater, but it's very shallow. So it's very easy for ships to get a bit off course. Got it. Run into that shallow area, damage their ship, Mm -hmm. sink, Mm -hmm. um, and really risk lives. So the fundamental purpose of a lighthouse is to, you know, people talk kind of romantically about lighthouses as a beacon in the dark. Yes. Um, but it, it's literally true and physically true that lighthouses in times of darkness and fog, you know, served as a light to kind of call you to safety and help you get through your journey. Um, while there might be dangers on either side, helps point the way to, to make it through in a, in a safe manner. Okay. Well, um, the way that uh, I kind of entered the story or last <laughs> entered my life <laughs> is um, so my friend, Dave McWilliam, he and I um, have become friends over time and both have uh, both have boys who are in Boy Scouts. And we were on a trip uh, doing a backpack camping trip on North Manitou Island for a few mm-hmm. days. Um no sooner did we come off that trip and we're driving home back um, kind of downstate Michigan. And, you know, we're both dreamers and we kind of drive and see things. Um, he has a farm. His day job is uh, being a pilot for Delta, wow. but he also, um, he and his wife, you know, have a farm and they grow produce and give it to charity to help feed, um, you know, hungry yep. people in the area and stuff like okay. that. So we're both, we're both dreamers and, you know, we talk about things like, ah, that'd be great to, you know, have that farm or do that thing. And like, well, what are we going to do with it? Well, one of the things he mentioned was um, how much he loves lighthouses and always wanted to own a lighthouse. Um, (laughs) But that was totally kind of in a vacuum. Right. right? And we get home and a couple days later, my other friend, Jake Caberly, who I met in, um, we've been friends since college and uh, he and his wife are family friends with my wife mm-hmm. and me, um, my wife, Anna and his wife, Suzanne. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple days later after I got home, he f- sent me a Facebook message, essentially forwarding an article about how this offshore lighthouse near the Manitou islands is up for auction by the federal government. <laughs> and okay. <laughs> My immediate, my immediate reaction was, holy cow, we got to do this. <laughs> That's your first uh, thought is we got to do this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My, my, it actually have it in, it doesn't exactly say, holy cow. It's something along those lines. <laughs> we can <but> imagine. <laughs> like, uh, we got to do this. Um, because I was still in a total romance, you know, of being on the island in the area. But also, it just sounded really fun and cool and that's kind of our mantra is is fun yeah. and cool and it's adventure and it just immediately appealed to me like wouldn't it be cool to own a lighthouse um <laughs> so um i i immediately told my wife and she about this opportunity and she said uh something along the lines of um what are you talking about like you're you're, you're crazy um but given i had that conversation with dave i forwarded the article to him mm-hmm. And then our other friend, Todd Buckley, yeah. who lives in town, town and we know, he um, separately 
knowing we had just come back from this trip um, on the Manitou Islands, he texted me the same article. Ah. So then the the four of us started talking. And initially it was a bit of a, wasn't quite a joke, but it was kind of one of those moments where you're in a, in a moment of excitement and you're kind of, you know, laughing about it and saying, you know, <laughs> I'd be cool to have a lighthouse and do all this stuff. But, um, you know, the next day, basically I, I, uh, started investigating and, um, came to understand what's the process. So basically, uh, the federal government has been auctioning off um, a number of these offshore lighthouses that they have deemed um, excess property, no excess longer property. Okay. <laughs> yep. No longer, no longer needed. And they were auctioning them off through the general services administration. Mm-hmm. So the GSA has a website where you can bid on, you know, all of this excess property and they have a whole section on, they had at least a whole section on, on lighthouses and, I guess a couple things. First, started I started to learn more about the lighthouse, and it basically, you know, quickly learned it was built in 1935. Okay. Um, built in 1935, it is a crib design, which is why the, especially in the local area, people call it the crib. What does that mean? Yep, it's a crib design, which means, I mean, people ask me too, like, is it on an island? What's it built on? Yeah. It is... It is totally offshore, which means it is built on a concrete base that was installed by building a wooden frame and filling it with boulders, rocks, dirt, or soil to some extent, and lumber and all timbers, you know, all kinds of Mm -hmm. things, ultimately to where it, you know, sinks into the water and sinks into the lake bed. And it's all a concrete base. And then the structure of the lighthouse is built on top of that. And that's that's called a crib So design. the wood itself is submerged under the water? Yeah, but it's all covered up with concrete okay. now. So okay. it's it's just it's just a way to get started, like building a frame to Got fill it. in, um, essentially. So it was built in 1935. It uh, has been used since then, even to today, as what's called an uh, active aid to navigation. Um, And from 1935 to 1980, it housed a crew of Coast Guardsmen who lived there during the shipping season. So this is important, too, because you think lighthouse and traditionally, you know, you might think it's like a cone and, you know, there's just a light at the top. This actually this actually has a. There's like a basement that's in the in the concrete crib. And then there's two levels of, um, you know, the first level has like a boat garage and some other areas for different things. Um, but the second level has four rooms for guest quarters and an area for like a kitchen and a lookout room and stuff like that. And then there's a bit of a tower that goes up to the light. Um, and the Coast Guard, you know, used to have people stationed out there mm-hmm. uh, until 1980. Okay. In 1980, the Coast Guard uh, decided to automate the lighthouse, and so took the took the crew off of it. Basically, took most of the stuff out mm-hmm. of it, but left in there a a light, mm-hmm. um, a horn, <laughs> and 
and some electronic equipment that emits a Morse code signal so ships can pick it up and see where the lighthouse hmm. is at. And that all has run in an automated manner. And not as sure about the electronic equipment, but I know for sure the light and the horn, they are there and operating and continue to be the property of the Coast Guard. And they have an easement on the lighthouse now to have their equipment there and and maintain it. So it continues to be an active aid to yeah. navigation to this Do you day. know, I'm just and upset question, Dan. Just do you know if the yeah, Coast Guard yeah. is able to remotely control any of the signaling or patterns that it does or is it always a manual analog adjustment within the structure when they want to modify um you know maybe the morse code or i don't know if that question makes sense i'm just curious if there's a a remote control aspect of it even in the current technology with it i'm not exactly sure about that there may there might be but i don't know that there's a lot to control out there especially if we're just talking about the the light and the horn those are essentially things that um, you know, are set to okay. run. So I, I think what they do is they set the light up, they set the horn up, they set it, you know, with certain settings yep. and it just runs. They probably get data feed from there, probably for monitoring it. And when they need to, they make trips out there to, um, you know, to tinker yeah. with things. So, and one thing, one thing they actually did recently, this is, this is pretty kind of cool and, and interesting. Um, kind of shows you the advance of technology too. Um, they swapped out the light, which was, had become an LED light, but it was a larger one. And now they've got it. The light's actually pretty small. It's probably the size of a, um, I don't know, like I was going to say microwave, but it's a little smaller <laughs> okay. than that. Like it's a pretty small yeah. light for the, for the kind of light it yep. puts off. Um, but more interestingly, they, they had a bank of solar panels out there to help keep the light and horn powered, ah. um, which was a huge panel that took up one side of the, the tower. But um, now it's shrunk down to something quite smaller. Like I, you can't, it's not even um, noticeable um, that noticeable, which um, shows you a good advance of technology, but they have a bank of, batteries and solar panels to power okay that all right yeah most people don't think like oh there's a light you know it's, it's just running out it's a big candle <laughs> yeah <laughs> right used used to be but not a, not anymore <laughs> yeah yeah wow. so right. um so so basically um that's kind of the history of the lighthouse and where we come in is um hearing that this lighthouse is up for auction yes. You know, we had our initial like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to own a lighthouse, you know, and uh, we started joking about it more. At some point, someone pretty quickly found a picture of a, you know, the people who used to care for lighthouses, uh, their their jobs, they, they're light keepers. That was their job as being a light keeper. Got it. Um, that's kind of where that term comes for us and generally. <laughs> and, uh, you know, four guys you know, texting and making jokes and stuff. Someone found a picture of a, an old picture of an old light keeper with this huge beard that was kind of wrapped in a circle that had a cat in the middle of it. It's the funniest, <laughs> one of the funniest things we saw. Uh, so we kind of think of him as our mascot. But, um, but, you know, then the next day things started to get more serious because I started investigating, you know, the process Um this probably helped where I was a lawyer by background. Mm -hmm. So I was a little more into, Absolutely. you know, how does this, 
how does this process run? What do we got to do? And basically the way the process worked is, um, first of all, if you're buying the lighthouse, you're buying the structure. Nobody gets to own the land it sits on because the, the lake bed is held in trust for the people of the state of Michigan. Okay. And you're buying the structure, but you also uh, grant the Coast Guard an easement to maintain their equipment. Okay. And, but here's the funny thing is there's been this interesting mix of federal and state authorities that had to get worked out. Like how can situations like this work? And the solution at some point was determined that um, the federal government can auction off to a private entity, the lighthouse, but for uh, that entity to own it, it needs to have like a hundred year lease with the state to keep its lighthouse on the lake bed. And to have such a, uh, such a lease, you have to be a nonprofit, uh, nonprofit corporation. Ah. Um, and that kind of coincided too with the reality that started us, you know, at first sink in. And then I think us, you know, started better appreciating it is it's one thing to buy the lighthouse mm-hmm. and own it. But when you see, when you saw pictures of it and you understood like what kind of shape it's in, um, you're going to have to do work to <laughs> restore it and protect it if you want to do anything with it. So all of this kind of fit together, like, okay, it started to come into vision pretty quickly that we would be a nonprofit organization. And if we bought the lighthouse, we would be taking on a mission to do a lot of things, starting with restoring the lighthouse. And, you know, pretty quickly became, we started to appreciate and wanted it to be, but it, we started to frame our mission in terms of, um, you know, not only owning it, but restoring it, making it available to the mm-hmm. public for tours. Maybe people can stay there. And the more we learned it, it just kept building, you know, to a better understanding of we're not just buying a lighthouse. We're we're taking on we're stepping up and taking on the role of stewardship mm-hmm. to not, o- not only protect and preserve this lighthouse, make it available to the public but also to educate people on the history of this lighthouse and how the role that these lighthouses have played in protecting lives and enabling shipping. But maybe one of the more important things too is um, the role we're taking on to honor the legacy of the Coast Guard to this day too, but especially over time with all of the people who have served there and, um, you know, done work to protect lives you know, so we're really honoring the legacy of the Coast Guard. And then the last thing is, and I think this is kind of a basic point, you know, but it's just this feeling like in one of America's most beautiful places, you have this amazing structure and all of its history standing there. And it's just kind of going to waste and being neglected in a way. And um, it's part of the area. People have stories mm-hmm. there about how they've been out there and hung out with the Coast Guard and all these things. And people love it. It just needs to be taken care of. So we got to the point of understanding like on a whole range of things, we're not just buying a lighthouse. We're really stepping up to be stewards of this lighthouse and a community around it. Um, and that's the mission we're taking on. So when we got to that point, you know, that's a lot of stuff, but it, it kind of all came together in um, getting the organization formed, getting registered to bidding. And you had to put down like a $10,000 deposit to, to be in okay. the bidding. Um, that enabled us to go out and do a site visit, um, you know, to look at the lighthouse and stuff. And, and we went from there and we started bidding and, um, 
there's some really interesting stories about the bidding <laughs> process, but, but uh, in the end, we ended up prevailing and, and went from there. That is great. I love just, you know, it seems like the realization, as you said, you know, we're not just buying a lighthouse, right? This isn't, you know, Dan's man cave eight miles out in the water, right? It's, <laughs> it's a bigger cause. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not, uh... And, and to, and to be honest with you, the, um, uh, those bigger purposes, it's really important that they're, that that's the why, yes. yeah. um, because this is a fair amount of work and it takes more than just us. It takes more of a community to make it happen. And, uh, it's, it's, it's important that those are the bigger purposes we're working so on. I may be off on that attributing this quote or concept, but one of the popular optimists that get talked about in business, Simon Sinek, I think he, I've heard him use the phrase, know your why. So that is abundantly clear given what you're, you're talking about in terms of everyone's motive to, to kind of keep this thing and preserve it and, and provide that legacy. Um, totally. Okay. So you mentioned you had to do a site visit. So I'm curious. So can like, how do you, how do you normally get out there? Um, and then like bring, bring us to a point where, you're right up against the the crib, the 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 square structure that's coming up out of the water. So, um, what's it like? What do you have to do to step foot from you know a boat onto onto the lighthouse? How do you how do you get up to this thing? Sure, sure, and I'll I'll tell you like how it works now. Um, but it'll be important to note um, some plans we have for the future that uh, will make it a little easier for okay. people um, to. But right now. Um, Basically, if you think of the crib, you know, in the lighthouse, it's like I said, sitting on this concrete mm -hmm. base. Um, on each side is a ladder that is metal, you know, iron rungs embedded in the concrete. Um, so it's flush. Uh, yeah. So the obviously there's space behind yeah. the bars, but it's it's a ladder that's kind of built into the concrete on okay. each side. And you're talking probably about 20 feet from the water up to the deck level. Okay. And so, so the way you get into the lighthouse is you pull a boat up to the side of the uh, crib, you know, next to the concrete, and then you climb out of the boat and climb up the ladder. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just don't. Okay. And, and I have to, yeah. And I, and I have to tell you that, um, so when we did our site visit, I didn't really know what to expect. And it, it honestly was one of the most, um, I don't know, just cool things I've done so far. Um, and you know, I didn't know what to expect. We got in a got in a boat. You know, a lot of times when we go out there, we're taking like a charter fishing yeah. boat. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy Munoz, who is part of running Manitou Island Transit, he has a charter fishing boat, and we work with him and to get transportation Not out it. there. Um. And yeah, on that site visit, he was the one who we had the the general services administration. We had a representative from the Coast Guard, and then we had Dave and me, and then two other gentlemen who were other mm -hmm. bidders. Um, and then there was another gentleman who showed up, and <laughs> um, you know, he basically was um, a kind of a contractor, but also interested in seeing it, and he he got himself out there too. So. Um, we all took this boat out there and again, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, but as we pulled up to it and it's not like this today because of the work we've done, mm -hmm. but we pulled up to it and probably you start to get about 50 feet away from it and you could smell 
the the cormorant guano that coated oh my gosh. the the structure from just you know the cormorants have just been using it as a nest you know up until this point uh, in a way and um perched there during the summer wow. and this i will tell you the smell of cormorant guano like once it's in your olfactory nerves it doesn't <laughs> doesn't easily leave it's a it's a distinct smell but anyway you pull up to this wall and it was like you know literally jimmy's holding his boat against the wall it's like all right climb out of the boat <laughs> and go <laughs> and i'll never forget like just stepping up onto the side of the boat and then grabbing the ladder rung and climbing up and uh i just had this amazing feeling of excitement just climbing up that ladder and then get to the deck and being like, here I am standing out of this lighthouse in the middle of the lake. And then when you walk around and, you know, now I have to tell you, the deck was covered with all this guano and it was gross right. and stuff. But when you're on the deck of the lighthouse and you walk around it, you have this 360 view of Lake Michigan, Sleeping Bear Dunes, Lake Michigan, Manitou Islands. And it's just and the air and the breeze and everything. Uh. It was it was amazing. So it was like a. It was like, you know, when you're a kid and it's your birthday, you know, and just have the excitement you have. That's that's what it for me was like um, experiencing that. That was our first trip to the lighthouse. And, you know, typically these days it's it's similar when you want to go out there. You take a boat out and you climb up the ladder right. to uh, to just get your there. excitement in your voice. It sounds like you just got off of it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I, I just want to make a note that one of our priorities is making the lighthouse accessible to as many people as possible. Um, one of the advantages we have is that there are sea doors um, that, you know, other offshore lighthouses don't have. Um, it's kind of a helpful, unique characteristic of, of the crib is that it has sea doors, which are entry, you know, or doors for ingress and egress at the water mm. level. So in the, and the, they were welded shut by the coast guard at some point, one of our, and we've had a member step up and volunteer to sponsor this part of the project, which has been super okay. awesome. You know, we're going to replace the doors so that they open and close. And then we'll be able to pull the boat up to those sea doors and people can get in and out of the lighthouse that way, which, which will be. So you would be there. within the interior, like in the belly of it. So to smell belly is maybe not the right analogy, but you would be from within no, the no. bottom center, you know, base, so to speak at the water level. Correct. Yeah, you. Yeah, you'd be what I described earlier as the basement. You would be stepping into the basement of the crib. You know what it reminds me of? One of those James Bond movies when the boat comes in underneath the <laughs> volcano and it goes underwater a little bit, and then it pops up into the high tech, you know, lane that the bad guys are all waiting for the you know supreme bad guy to yeah. depart his boat. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, that's how, right. So. Just for point of reference, physical time, how long ago was that first site visit, Dan, relative to now? How, how, how long ago? Um, not too far from four, uh, four years ago. That was September of 2016. Okay. All right. So fast forward, you mentioned some renovations and um, kind of what it fits into the big, big goal, the big picture. Um how do you get materials out there? Like what's, what's that process like? Any, any funny stories about clunky, awkward, you know, movement of material during your renovation? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way you get materials on it, um, at least now 
is that um, given some of the renovation work we've done, you know, we have used a contractor um, called MIM Enterprises, M-I-H-M, okay. MIM Enterprises. And early on, I pretty much, and this is some of my corporate experience coming to bear, you know, you're facing the question like, uh, how are we going to, first of all, clean all this guano off? And we got to, how do you paint a lighthouse? And how is all that going to yeah. work? I personally quickly thought, um, you know, if we look for someone who has done this work, that will probably help a lot. And actually, more to the point, because I, you know, this is, this is at least for me, it doesn't have to come this way, but I have had a fair amount of experiences uh, just in corporate life where you try to do things, you're making it up yourself and it's pretty clunky. But if you find someone who's done it, you know, um, it just makes things a lot simpler. And there is an offshore lighthouse near Drummond Island um, in the UP okay. that um, had been restored previously, similar to ours. And I just thought, if we find the people who restored that or did the work to that lighthouse, that that may be the way we get Makes this sense. done. And we found them. Yeah. It was MIM Enterprises, and they have done a great right. job with what we've done so okay. far. Um so through the course of that work, which essentially has been cleaning off the bird guano, hundred and cleaning off the bird guano and other kind of hazardous materials initially from the mm -hmm. lighthouse, that was 160 bags of stuff that got taken away. Wow. Um, and then media blasting the whole exterior, you know, from not the concrete, but the structure of the, the lighthouse, tower. which is, which, yeah, the tower, which is sandblasting, but using different material okay. and then priming it painting it so we've got a fresh paint job and then there's 22 windows that are original to the lighthouse rectangular windows that we removed restored and reinstalled and that's that's basically a summary of what we've done so far and in the course of that work mim installed a couple of um small cranes uh oh, to load material okay. onto All it right. so what we're able to do now is take material out or take equipment out uh, Dave recently got us a um, a bag of in a way that is kind of a square, but you hook it up to the crane and it becomes, you know, from the four corners becomes a bag to haul material up to the deck. That's how we can get stuff. Got it. Now. But I will tell you a funny, a little bit of a funny story is before we started using the cranes on the most recent trip, Dave took out there. Um, the last one was a trip he and I made last year and we had to fix the, um, we had to fix some, uh, we're using a system called Birdex to help keep the cormorants okay. away and that requires power and that needed to be fixed. And Dave brought a bunch of tools and brought a car battery and, and all these other things. And, you know, Dave and I, we're like the blues brothers in a way he's taller and lanky and I'm a little shorter and, and, uh, uh, beefier. In a You're way. the John Belushi. So, <laughs> yeah. so I just, I felt like just as a natural order of life, I needed to take these things and carry them on my back to get them on the lighthouse. And, uh, so I got a backpack on my back with tools and a car battery and all these other things. And I got, I started up the ladder, you know, and got 10 steps up and just thought, this thing is really heavy. <laughs> um, but I made it okay. That, that was a little, that was a little risky, but I, I did. Oh, okay. yeah. That's just a, you know, little, little small mountain climbing jaunt there to go do some repair work. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Battery in your back. <laughs> how how yeah. often do you go out there on average? Just, you know, whether it's for, you know, just admiration or work. Um, you know, it's going to increase now because um, we can do more and, and more is going to be on us mm-hmm. to do. So far, I would say tour, you know, for myself, actually not a ton. Um, I'd say on average, one of us is getting out there like two or three, maybe four times a summer. All right. Um, But that very much is a function, though, of our first couple of years have been very much occupied by MIM doing restoration work out there. And there hasn't been a lot of reason for us to... uh, to get out there. So if we've gone out there, it's been more recreational, but now we're starting to, you know, Dave and I and Jake are all making a trip out there on Monday, actually. Um, And the motivation for it is um, we've got some work we want to do. Our focus right now is we basically have completed what I would call phase one of our restoration, you know, which is all the things I said, and it's to get us to the point where it's clean it's functional mm-hmm. and you can, you can be out there um, and do stuff. We can even theoretically, you know, take some people out there and, and uh, that could work. Okay. But this summer we're, so we've completed that phase. What's in front of us is mounting phase two of the restoration, which is going to be, there's some additional things we got to do to protect the structure, like replace the decking, the, the flooring essentially on the, what's the viewing deck. Got it to prevent water from leaking into it. So there's some things to finish on the exterior, but a lot of the rest of the restoration is going to be about finishing the interior so that it's a comfortable place to be and tour and even stay overnight. In between these two parts, what we're focused on right now is doing some simple things to, you know, make it accessible and possible for people to go out there and do tours and be there. Like some simple you know, bathroom facility, yeah, for yeah. example, some some minimal, you know, system for some running water. And otherwise, we're making sure the bird deterrent system is working. Yep. And uh, we're trying to get a weather station set up, some kind of webcam thing so people can look at it, you know, and it's, it's just some, things yeah. like that. So there's some work. That's what we're trying to focus on this. Summer. Is um is it, you know, for the since 1935 and the men that, you know, manned it so to speak but um what was the heating infrastructure in it or or is there any still like you know do you have people staying over it's um you know just bundle up and you know (laughs) get a sleeping bag or you know what's what's the ventilation um on the interior um vision or capability right now the um well the the word you use there towards the end is the most important one ventilation um i don't know I mean, you don't really need much of a heating or cooling system. Um, And I think that's, we got to think about that some more. Um, If anything, you might need a a bit of a heating system um, because the nights could get cool. But by and large, you know, if you're, if you're out there staying out there, you're going to be, it's going to be during the summer months. And it, it both, um, you know, is it going to be that cool in the summer, but at the same time, I mean, you're out in the middle of the lake, the breeze is usually yep. going, so it's not going to be too hot either. But the, the really key thing is ventilation, um, not only during the summer, but also especially during the winter, 
Um, one of the problems with these kinds of lighthouses is condensation. Mm. Um, you know, the heating and cooling and the changes in temperatures and the moisture in the air. There's a lot of condensation that forms on the walls and the interior structures that, uh, you know, can peel paint off right. the wall and do other damage. Right. So actually one of the, one of the key priorities is creating some system for ventilation, which probably would be sufficient to handle the, you know, heating and cooling issues too, just getting air moving through there. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I can imagine. It's funny. There's one time where I've stayed the night just further South on the Western coast of Michigan. I think it was in Muskegon, the USS silver side. It's a world war II submarine. Yes. And I was with the boy scout pack. And yep. we stayed the night on it up in the in the yep. um, torpedo room, and the smell of the diesel oil was still prevalent. And you know, we slept yep. in the bunks, and it, it just makes me think of that opportunity for other people with with your lighthouse at, at the crib to be able to, you know, kind of you know, just immerse themselves in history. Absolutely, I think it's going to be uh, in, in what we're shooting for, not only for ourselves, but really want to share this with other people. It, it's a unique adventurous experience and i think it's going to be very cool and we want to make the interior you know um, historically respectful um and nice enough like i said so it's comfortable to be there and i and i know i'm looking forward to some times where you know we got some outdoor speakers and playing some music and watching a sunset over the uh manitou islands or maybe you're out there you know while there's these big you know, transport ships that go by right. and that's pretty cool to see. Or I, I'm imagining a night you're out there in the middle of the lake and what the stars must be like, you know, just sitting out there with the lake air Absolutely. in the open sky. You know, it's just, it's gotta be a special experience and we're excited to share that. With that's people. cool. That's really cool. Um, okay. So I want to personalize or have you kind of characterize for us any, any crazy comments, uh, what your, your, you know, your wife, Anna, you know, she sounds like she first questioned, I'm like, what, what are you talking about when you thought about the bid? But <laughs> what, um, what stood out to you with some of your other contacts and people you've run into as, as you guys have gone through the restoration? Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'll, uh, I'll say a couple things. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I'll say a couple things. Um, First of all, with respect to Anne and my wife, um, she she both was a voice of caution and kind of wondering if we were, you know, really being serious and sane the deeper deeper we got into this. But she's also the reason um, that North Manitou Lightkeepers owns this lighthouse today. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, and that's really a good, it's an interesting part of the story where we're going through the bidding process and the way it worked is um, after a certain level, your bid had to remain the highest bid for 24 hours for you to hmm. win. And <clears throat> as the bidding advanced, it became a bidding contest between us and one other bidder. Okay. And it was even, it was kind of funny how anxious the whole situation was because, um, you know, we didn't need to do this, but we really wanted to. And the other bidder would do things like wait until 23 hours and 30 minutes, you know, to make another bid. Um, So it was kind of, it was kind of an anxious thing. And, and the funny thing is as the bid amounts went up, it wasn't so much a question of, um, you know, 
can we as a whole in our life afford this among all of us? But the the higher the numbers were, it kind of made you feel like, is this really, it became, the, the numbers became a proxy for how big of a priority yeah. do you want to make this Great in your point. life? Yep. Um, and the numbers kept going up and we had gotten to a point where we said, you know, and I had stuff going on at work and I started to feel like I've got a, it's kind of funny. <laughs> people appreciate this in the context of your podcast. <laughs> I literally feel like I've got a day job here. I've got to <laughs> like do my job. I've got, I've got serious things to work on. And, uh, we had gotten to the point and said, okay, if, if we get outbid one more time, I think we're done. And we got outbid one more time. Okay. And we got until about, say, two hours until the 24-hour period expired and we would be done, like lost. Or you wouldn't be the highest bidder at that moment. Correct. I mean, we were already outbid. And then after that, you know, 24 more hours go by and then we're, you know, the other person wins. Got it. And we're a couple hours away from that deadline. And Anna texted me and said, you might be mad at me, but do you think we should bid, make another bid? And she had gone on the website for the first time and saw pictures of the lighthouse. And she said it, it spoke to her and said, don't give up on huh. it. And so she texted me and I did this funny thing where I then included Dave on the text and said, hey, Dave, Anna thinks we should bid again. <laughs> and, and so then, then it was like a little ninja maneuver to make it like take a take her up on that opening and and she ended up saying yeah let's she said we should bid again i made one more i made one more bid and we won that's um (laughs) and and that that is one of the that is one of the crazier parts of the uh of the stories of the story but very um poetic um beyond that the the interesting thing is that um very commonly people just think it's really mm-hmm. cool when you say, Hey, I own a right. lighthouse. Technically the nonprofit does and all that. When you say I own a lighthouse, you know, people think that's really cool. And then the next question is, what are you going to do with it? Um, <laughs> it and that's, that's, that's right. That is most, that's most commonly the, the question we get. And uh, you know, that's a story we continue to build, but by and large, um, you know, we just, and our focus on to keep talking with people about how we want to protect it honor the history and legacy of the coast guard and the lighthouse and make it available to the public. Um, outside of that, it's kind of the same question. A lot of times is like, what motivated you to do that? And what are you going to do with it? Um, that's usually the, okay. the comments and the questions. Right. we get. Right. Oh, well, when your spouse is all in, it just makes it so much more <laughs> easy, easy to do. I've got a smaller scale example. I was looking at a guitar. I had the one in my hand. She saw a different one up on the wall. There's a little more. She goes, I like the color of that one. I went over and grabbed that one. It played (laughs) so much better. And she's like, I'd get that one. I'm like, deal. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I was like, all right, let's go. (laughs) Makes all the difference. Oh, my goodness. Um, You guys have a a website, um, northmanitoulightkeepers.org. And I've been really impressed just with what you guys have portrayed on there. But um, maybe some of the listeners, what would they expect to see and what would you encourage them to, to look for if, if they went to your website? Well, the website, um, you know, and a few, a few people have worked on it, but really Anna gets a lot of credit for um, getting that started and the look and feel of it. And 
we do think it it uh, looks nice and is mo- more importantly very useful to yeah. people. Um, we will be updating it. I think a lot of what you see on the website right now is telling the story of us and how we got started. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of due to to kind of update it, you know, and, and add even more information about looking forward. But if you go if you go there now, you're going to see, first of all, you're going to see really beautiful photos of what the lighthouse looks like now. And you can see what it looked like before. Mm-hmm. You can, it, it's a very clear difference, the progress we've made with um, restoring it so far. Uh, but you can read about the history, not only of our organization, but more importantly, the history of the, of the sure. lighthouse. Um, and that's, that's um, a lot of helpful information. You can read about the restoration work we've already done and um, what our plans are for it um, going yeah. forward. And then, of course, there's a whole page um, where people have opportunities to you know, sign up for membership. Um, and um, you know, that is really important to us. And if I could, I'll just um, describe where we're at as an organization. Yeah, please. You know, like, I, like, like I already said, uh, we, we kind of set a goal and we started and said, look, within five years, we wanna have the lighthouse restored and be able to, to take people out there for tours. Um, we're, we're at a point where I think we can say we have restored the lighthouse and we're able to make tours, you know, say by next Mm -hmm. summer and that'll be in our timeline, you know, but the, the restoration work we've done so far is enough, you know, to, to basically take it from being a, um, guano covered rust bucket (laughs) to, you know, a fresh paint job, clean and critically these these new with these restored windows being in let light come into the interior structure change the whole feel of it you know so we're at a great spot for completing you know phase one of that restoration and and being you know getting close to being able to take people out there um we're focused now and and doing some additional work to make it more accessible and you know able to be there but the rest of the road ahead is doing phase two of the restoration, uh, finishing the interior, some additional work to protect the structure. Um, and, you know, that's installing like uh, interior systems to support plumbing mm-hmm. and electrical and ventilation and stuff like that. And even beyond that, we do want to try to build somewhat of an endowment too, so that there's resources to take care of the lighthouse over time and into the future. Um, so here's where we're at right now is um, we have built, in addition to doing the restoration work and working on the lighthouse, I'm very excited and appreciative of, um, you know, to say, and for people who have joined our organization as yes. members, um, I'm happy to say that we've built a membership of about a hundred people so far um, and people have donated yep you know, to the organization for us to be able to do restoration work and really, you know, do the work of the organization. And what we're going to do now going forward is um, focus on building our membership. And, and that is going to be really important to sustain us as an organization, you know, to help fund annual operating expenses and do the maintenance work to take care of what we already have. Um, And then in addition to that, um, we're making plans and we'll be, um, at some point soon, 
you know, starting the capital campaign to fund phase two of the restoration. Um, so in that sense, you know, we'd love for people to visit the website. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, okay. um, you know, like us and, you know, join us there. And we're giving out information and updates about what's going on. But we really, you know, want to uh, build our membership, not only to support the restoration of the lighthouse and what's going to come with that is benefits like being able to go on tours and visit and overnight stays and, you know, t-shirts, hats, all that right. stuff is part of, um, part of membership. But the bigger thing that I think is also a part of this adventure that we're on and part of uh, what we're doing is building a community of people, um, you know, not only around appreciating and protecting this lighthouse, but really it's, it's, it's part of a larger community of, you know, that area, the Manitou Islands, yes. Lelanon Peninsula, and um, really just people who love history and lighthouses. And that's one of the really fun things about this too, is getting in touch with people and building relationships. And we're really building a community of people who are interested in this for different reasons, you know, and, and we're looking to continue to build that community because it's fun. And also because um, we want to build a community of people who are interested in, um, you know, just completing this mission absolutely. with us. I love it. Oh, I so, so was looking forward to hearing this. And you, you just really put an accent on the things that benefits not only, you know, your families and that, that invest in it, but just what it's doing for the people in that area. And then, you know, the legacy and the preservation of it, of what the lighthouse and Coast Guard and what it represented to the, the Marine, you know, shipping and things like that. Um, yeah, it's just really admirable, Dan, just... Wow. <laughs> um, I, I just, any, anything else that uh, you want to share to make sure, you know, we remember, um, you know, in, in terms of the spirit of what you're doing here, any, any other, um, you know, points that uh, you would encourage us to think about? Well, I just, um, you know, I think people, you know, it's interesting, your, your, your podcast is beyond my day job. And I, I um, just talking about this and, in this context, it's interesting because a lot of this, a lot of the things I imagine you talk about in your podcast and what we're talking about are um, things that things that we do because we have a passion for them. And even even though it might be harder because we've got a day job and um, but there's uh, more to life than than just that, right. too, is, uh, you know, I think a lot of that is um, feeling our passion and finding ways to express that. And uh, I know for me. And for the McWilliam family, for the Buckley family, for the Caberleys, and, and really, I think everyone who's really kind of joined us to be a part of this, there is a passion here, uh, whether it's because, you know, you think of lighthouses as a beacon of hope in the darkness, or because you love yeah. history, or because you love the Coast Guard. And I think a lot of this is if you love adventure, this is what this is about. And, um, you know, what comes with the adventure, too, is this role of stewardship, which... Um, you know, I'm just really lucky and uh, very happy to be in a position to, um, you know, pursue an adventure and take on the role for stewardship around not only this lighthouse, but like I said, you know, doing that in a way that's being in touch with people and building a, being part of a community and building a community. And uh, anyone who's out there who's interested in adventure, stewardship, history, the Coast Guard, Lake Michigan, you know, Lelanau, 
you know, we'd love to be in touch with you and have, have you be on our team and uh, working with us to, to complete this mission. You know, I know you've, you carry the uh, title of, of, you know, president for the, you know, board of directors for North Manitou Lightkeepers, but I would, I would uh, rebadge you as chief dreamer. So um, good good for you, man. (laughs) This is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, I really appreciate Lonnie, you uh, give me the chance to be part of your, your yeah. show and to well, talk I'd, about it. It's yeah, a lot thank of fun. you for this, and um, we'll 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 help you get the word out, and but more importantly, just the genuine um, spirit that you've got around what you guys invested in. You know, both you know money, material, and, and sweat equity and emotion. So it's, it'll it'll pay off, and it's it's an admirable thing that you're doing. So sincerely, best of luck to you and your family, and and, and other families that are involved with this. And I'll be watching. Um, I I've been tracking you, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing progress and me having just left Michigan a year ago. I'm looking forward to getting back up to that part of the state uh, later this summer. So um, I will absolutely vividly be able to see it if I get up in the Boyne area. So I make a trek down there too. <laughs> yeah. And we might be able to get you out to the lighthouse I will too. I'll take you up on that. And if the opportunity is there, <laughs> you're going to hear from me for sure. 